1: Welcome to Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life's Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. With today's technology, we are more connected than ever before, and yet, it has been reported that social isolation is a growing epidemic in the United States. The number of Americans with no close friends has tripled since 1985, and more Americans are living alone, particularly people over 60. As it turns out, we can have hundreds of friends on social media without having any meaningful friendships. Joining us today to talk about how we can break through our isolation and build community is Val Walker, a rehabilitation consultant and contributing blogger for Psychology Today. Val is the author of 400 Friends and No One to Call. Welcome, Val. Thanks for joining us.
0: Thank you. Great to be here.
1: So, Val, as I said in the introduction, we are more connected than ever, and yet we are lonelier than ever before without real meaningful connections. So... What do you believe is at the root of this?
0: I think that what's happened is we've lost the ability to have long and meaningful conversations. We live in such a distracted and fragmented world where we're interrupted and it takes actually uh, away from our sense of connection when we're constantly being interrupted and distracted when we're trying to have a conversation. So I would say one of the biggest reasons is a lack of conversation, and that can actually make you feel lonely.
1: Val, what happened in your life that made you realize you needed to make changes?
0: Yes, there was a big, I would say, life-changing experience Back in June of 2012, I had a hysterectomy, and before he- I went in for surgery, I'd lined up a few very trusted friends to help me out. I didn't have family around, so um, I counted on them, and I had- we had helped each other out for years, by the way. So I was shocked when I woke up the following morning in my hospital bed. I had the IVs around me. I was groggy and sore, and... I get a text message, (laughs) shocking. I looked at it and found out that my friend could not show up. She had a family emergency, and a lot of other things, just I couldn't reach out to anyone. I was totally stranded, and um, long story made short, the hospital discharged me at 3 that afternoon. Uh, I sat in the lobby and had no one I could reach. Uh, I felt very abandoned, very afraid. Uh, I couldn't believe that I had I knew so many people, but I couldn't find anybody
1: to help me out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was very ashamed. So that one of the interesting things that I've learned in my life is that I'm the connector. If I don't initiate activities, they don't happen and people will often say to me that they think I'm too busy or, They don't want to bother me. So why do you think that that's the case? Why are there some people like me that are the initiators and others who don't think to do it?
0: Oh, I could answer that because I used to be one of the people who was afraid to initiate. I was introverted, and I really had thought, well, people are sort of supposed to somehow pick up on these cues, but they don't always So what I learned from my experience of having no one show up at the hospital, and this came upon me through my sense of compassion, the way I got the message, I had to be proactive and reach out and be like an advocate for myself. Bottom line was my self-compassion for my sense of loneliness and shame, for feeling like I lacked support you see I felt so bad about myself did I do something wrong why did these people not show up was I not such a good friend were they not such good friends so what I needed to do was I reminded myself golly Val you've been a counselor You're a rehabilitation counselor you've worked with people who are far lonelier and more isolated than you for 20 years What did you do for them? Well, first of all, you advocated for them. You spoke up for them. You taught them to self-advocate. You taught them to ask for help. And you taught them mostly to learn how to find the right kinds of people who could respond. So bottom line, Joan, is I learned to do that for myself. I finally, that was my wake-up call. Val, you're great at doing it for other people. Now you've got to do it for yourself yourself. And please stop feeling ashamed that your friends didn't show up when you needed them most. So I did turn it around, Joan. And that's what made me want to write a book about this. I realized it had to come from within to reach out and that when you give
1: support, you might actually get support. It goes both ways. (laughs) So there's nothing for a person to feel bad about because that is the first question. When you're left alone, you automatically think, what did I do wrong?
0: Yes. And there's stigma in our society that if people don't show up, you must have done something wrong. There's enormous stigma about being without support. Oh my gosh, my family's not around. Oh, I don't have a spouse. I don't have this person or I don't have that. Who can I count on? And uh, I find that when you truly accept your situation with love and a great sense of compassion, I keep using that word, but it really is compassion in action will help you activate getting out there and saying, I'm going to start building a network of support.
1: Okay, so many people are living alone today than ever before, either by choice or events out of their control. And you keep talking about the importance of building relationships and reaching out. So wearing your counselor hat, can you help us build those Deep, meaningful relationships. What are some of the ways that you can do that? Thanks for asking that. You know, I spend a great
0: part of my book examining the most, I would say, successful and evidence based ways of building support. So I'm happy to outline a few of the m- most important ways. Well, first of all, Start with building support by looking at people who might be isolated by the same thing you are. Finding a support group or people who have the same issues in common. In my case, I had colitis, uh, a serious inflammatory bowel disease, and I found support by going to a support group. And by the way, people with colitis can be very isolated socially too because of the flare-ups when you're connecting with people. so. I found great camaraderie and support by reaching out to a support group. We can even do that now during the coronavirus pandemic, by the way, by finding support groups. There are plenty we can build even virtually. So that's one way to build community is actually finding people who have the same things that they're isolated by as you. And believe it or not, the things that isolate you can become ways to unite you with other people. So that's number one. Number two is through actually volunteering and reaching out. When you help out, you feel less helpless and you feel less lonely. So turning your sense of uh, of reaching out into action and volunteering is a wonderful way to gradually build relationships with people and build friendships. The beauty of volunteering is it can be a regular way to connect with people and you're sharing a sense of mission and purpose together. So I highly recommend volunteering. Even now during the virus, we can find ways to help out in our community one way or another. There are remote ways to volunteer um, too. So volunteering is huge for helping us build networks. Um, It's like investing in your wider community to offer your service, and interest in others. So that's number two. That's huge. And number three is through learning, your interest in things, uh, taking courses, joining with others and sharing your common passions and interests and learning together. And that includes study groups and quests for knowledge. It's wonderful to have study buddies or meet classmates or people. You can build personal friendships, you know, through a common uh, study. So I would say those top three are the most important.
1: Now, what we're going through right now, you mentioned the coronavirus a few times in that answer. And while there are so many challenges that we are experiencing, could this be a blessing in disguise? Could this be an opportunity for us to build deep, meaningful relationships? I absolutely see that happening. i I think that is exactly what's happening. We're
0: having an opportunity to have longer, more heartfelt conversations, even what we used to call heart-to-heart. I see that and it's as if we're reaching out to each other because we feel a lot of grief and anxiety and uncertainty. So yes, I think, in many respects, it's bringing the best out of each other. And like I told you in the beginning when I started my book six years ago, how I was feeling we weren't having good conversations, that social media and our lifestyle had more or less kind of dissed conversations, you know? Mm -hmm. And now we're really saying, you know, this is our lifeline. We don't have much else right now. We can get on Zoom and have conversations or send letters and reach out and have conversations one way or another, but yay, uh, in praise of conversations, absolutely. This is what's happening now.
1: And I hope that all of this continues when we get to the other side of whatever that looks like. I hope that all of this does continue. I
0: think it will. I think it's showing the importance of it. I I really think this will have a long-lasting effect on us. I also think because we can't see people physically, you know, the old saying, um, you know, your heart feels more sorrowful um, when you can't see that person in person. And I think it makes us kind of feel even more love for each other because we're both sort of We're all of us feeling so helpless in a way that it makes us love each other even more. I know that sounds a little rosy, but Mm -hmm. I feel a kind of tenderness, especially for friends that may be even more isolated than myself or even family members, long-lost family members I'm reaching out to now that I haven't talked to in years, cousins across the country, you know, your so-called long-lost cousins. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of people out there who would love to hear from you, so i found great, very tender uh, kind of reunions with people, uh, whether it's just a phone call or through Zoom. I'm, I'm reconnecting and it's like rediscovering. I've got all these people in my life I had forgotten about.
1: So Val, when we try to build these meaningful relationships, a lot of times we're, we're searching for that perfect, that, that that person that we believe to be that perfect match. But you know, there's that saying, opposites attract. Is it good idea in the long term to build these types of relationships with people that are very different or should we be looking for people that are more like us?
0: Well my answer and I have found this to be true and I also want to say I've done research on this and I profiled 15 people who also found to be true what we need to do is both. We not only foster good relationships with those close to us and strengthen those by reaching out but also it's really important to get out of this mindset and I'm pretty much an advocate of this get out of the mindset that you just have a tribe or that you're just only going to belong to people who think like you and build that tribe. I believe we need both. Yes, we need a tribe of folks who think like us and we can kind of chime in with each other and bolster each other's confidence, but boy do we also need to break out of thinking of just a tribe. There is a wider community And I have found, even with people who are politically or spiritually really different than me, some of them have come through as some of my best friends. I kid you not. They have stepped up and helped me out when I've been in a pickle. And I've done that for them when they're in a pickle. So one woman helped me move. Uh, one time when I was strapped and I needed help moving my stuff out of an apartment. And by the same token, I was a pretty good resume writer because I like to write, so I helped her do some resumes. Mm -hmm. And it's like we exchanged each other's, you know, strengths and skills, and we needed each other. So my message in my book is build your connections through the wider community just as much as you strengthen your connections with your closer circle. Uh, if you really need to do both in this day and age, we can't only rely on those closest to us. As I told you my story about being stranded in the hospital, it's because I was over-reliant on just a couple of friends. I dare say I learned a lesson to invest more in people, both at work or in my wider community, so that it was okay to ask for help and that I could also help them.
1: Val, even when we follow your advice and, and we try all of these things, there will still be people who may not be interested in developing a friendship. So when that happens, what advice do you offer to help us avoid that feeling of rejection? Boy, it
0: does, and I'm just going to say it, it does hurt sometimes when we have put ourselves out to someone and shared our heart with someone, and for some reason that person just Is not interested in having you in their life one way or another. I think it does, first of all, there is pain, uh, and we need to do something with that pain. And one of my, I hate sounding like I'm handing out advice, but what's been helpful for me, my clients, as well as the people I profiled in my book is that we do need to find at least one comforting presence for ourselves that we can be vulnerable with. We need someone, whether it's a person we've known from the past, or a close friend, or we find therapy, or we find uh, through our faith-based or spiritual community, we find someone who we can actually be vulnerable with and say, you know what, this is painful, I need to talk to somebody about this. I don't think we can do this all by ourselves, Joan, reaching out to people and We need a person who's basically in our court rooting for us, encouraging us, helping us. And actually, we sometimes need to practice having conversation. We might be rusty. We might have been isolated by so much that we've lost our ability to have an easy conversation and chat with somebody. We feel awkward. So we sometimes need a person we can just practice with and uh, not only share our feelings, but actually practice chatting and talking with. So um, some people are going to need that, um, and maybe they'll feel stronger about reaching out and trying a group when they have at least one person they've built up some confidence and been able to work through it.
1: The book is 400 Friends and No One to Call, Breaking Through Isolation and Building Community – if you would like to get more information about Val and her work, you can visit ValWalkerAuthor.com or as always, you can visit our website, dot Val, in our final moments, what's the takeaway?
0: Takeaway is giving and receiving. That funny enough, when we reach out, we don't have to be at our best. We don't have to have it all together to reach out and be there for someone, just listening, just caring, uh, showing up for people that there's enormous reward in doing that. And sometimes when you reach out and help, you might even get some support. And during this time of grief and anxiety, as well as social distancing, uh, please don't shy away. Keep reaching out. You might be surprised just how much uh, you feel better by just connecting with someone.
1: Val, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. This is Conversations with Joan. Until next time, thanks for tuning in.